0: everybody welcome to the scb Steelers podcast presented by deck roofing incorporated of south florida um this is uh podcast number two uh with um like like live video or video won't be live when you see it obviously but um so we're getting there you know we're we're coming from the stone age into the new age. And uh, we're really uh, glad tonight uh, to have Jeff with us. Jeff has uh, done work for us uh, at SCB for a while and is always chiming in on our Slack chats. And uh, it's good to have him on. Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you got going.
1: Oh, well, um, big Steeler fan, obviously. I've been a Steeler fan my whole life. I was born into it. Um, Got the Steeler Center Instagram account which has gotten pretty big over the last year. I've been really happy with that. But, yeah, other than that, just guy working my way through college, covering the Steelers, having some fun with it.
0: Good for you. And uh, the the one important question, and I was reminded this from a YouTube viewer this week, Uh, he said, didn't you forget something? And I'm like, what? And I forgot to ask last week, what are you drinking? Um, and I think I was just so encapsulated with getting the show going and stuff, I forgot. So I, I would be remiss if I did not ask, Ian, what are you drinking tonight?
2: So last week, we talked about the big crisis I had, which was that my keg had kicked. Yes, horrible um,
0: news. Yes, horrible
2: <laughs> news. So I went out and got a new keg. So now I'm drinking a Great Lakes Oktoberfest uh, ah. because when I went to the beer store, the keg of Yingling Oktoberfest was only like, two dollars cheaper than the keg of great lakes oktoberfest i'm like well for two dollars more, i will buy the much nicer <laughs> beer so, so now i have great lakes oktoberfest on. Set. good
0: for you good for you uh <laughs> jeff jeff are you enjoying anything tonight
2: i i'm not i definitely okay. should have gotten
1: something prepared especially while i was at work i would have would have picked something up but no i uh, i got, no a, worries. got a water bottle next to me that's no
0: gone. worries i i have uh i i'm going with the um uh, uh Bell's uh two-hearted light ale because I'm watching my girlish figure. And uh don't worry, I've got I've got my big hunk of
2: water uh here too. So don't don't feel bad, Jeff.
1: I'll be I'll be more prepared next time. There
2: you go, there you go. Good man. Is, is that water uh, or coarse light? Because they're basically the same thing. Ouch, <laughs> ouch. Uh
0: yeah, yeah. Well, hey though, I still do also have my bottle of Yingling Light from last week. So um it, it's from empty, but okay. Yeah, it's empty, but it's still there. And, surprised uh anyway a lot of stuff to talk about with the Steelers tonight guys um today was of course cut down day all NFL teams had to be down 53 man rosters um and as you probably saw on Twitter and Instagram and heard about 8,000 times the initial 53 man roster is going to change over the next few days (laughs) and and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that Uh, And it's true. It will change. And I think when you look at the Steelers overall roster, there are some real signs of how it's probably going to change. So, uh, Ian, let's just get to surprises. What were some of the surprises for you that that immediately caught your eye with what the Steelers did today?
2: Yeah, um, I think just from a number standpoint, five running backs, eight offensive linemen, eight defensive linemen, Six inside linebackers and only four cornerbacks. Like all of those numbers kind of broke their trends and surprised me. You know, typically they keep nine offensive linemen. Typically they keep six defensive linemen. I know with Stefan Tuitt's situation, you know, they probably wanted to keep an extra guy, but two extra guys there. Like what is Henry Mondo doing on this team? It blows my mind. Um, You know, six inside linebackers. I'm shocked that both Ulysses Gilbert and uh, Marcus Allen made the team. Uh, and just four cornerbacks, obviously, in a highly passing league is not going to cut it. No. Um, I know that you know, Keith Butler said that, oh, now that we've got Bush and Showbert on the inside, you know, we're probably not going to play a lot of true dime. We're going to play a lot of, you know, nickel and try and match up. But I think we also saw, you know, Joe Showbert trying to run with Prashad Perryman a few weeks ago, and that mm-hmm. didn't go so well. No. So, you know, they, they can't keep matching inside linebackers on slot receivers. That's not going to go go very well. So they need more than four cornerbacks yeah. on the roster. And really that fourth one in Justin Lane, I mean, I'm not very sold on him if he has to actually play in a game other than special teams. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, and the other one was Christian Koontz making the team as a long snapper. Um, as I mentioned in my uh, game preview for the Carolina game, that there was some salary considerations there, too. You know, they gave uh, uh, Cam Candidate a two-year, $2 million deal, basically doesn't save them a whole lot of money this year on the salary cap, like $250,000. Right. Next year, year. next year saves them about a million on the cap because Christian Koontz is on a rookie deal. So, um, you know, some, some money considerations there as well. Um, But, you know, kudos to to him I mean he came to Steelers camp as a undrafted free agent out of Duquesne he was a local kid from around Pittsburgh and um you know came as an inside linebacker kind of was was playing inside linebacker and doing some long snapping on the side and really over time kind of converted himself into a long snapper and now he made an NFL roster so congratulations to him but yeah I think I think we're going to see a lot of changes over the next, you know, and we do have this extra week here that in previous years you had a pretty quick turnaround between the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season. Whereas now we've got an extra week between, um, you know, the, the end of the preseason, the first game in Buffalo. So I'd say definitely they're going to add an offensive lineman, probably a tackle um, or at least like a swing tackle guard Mm -hmm. kind of player. Um, And then also, you know, they're, they may put Stephon it on IR, um, but they they have to add another cornerback. They can not go into the season with just four cornerbacks
0: on. Yeah, own. and we'll we'll revisit the the cornerback and the Tuitt thing here in, in a minute. Uh, Jeff, what what were some of the surprises that maybe you saw you didn't or maybe you didn't see coming when when these uh, announcements came down?
1: The first surprise for me was uh, Rashad Coward. I definitely thought he was going to be on the fifty three. Especially since there's not a lot of lineman depth that mm-hmm. we really have, mm-hmm. I really thought the lineman depth now looking at the 53 is a little bit shaky. So I, I'm a little confused on the Rashad Coward thing. And obviously, one of the first things I noticed was was the corners. I mean, we yeah. gotta have you gotta have more corners. And I agree with with Ian. I'm not not a big Justin Lane guy. I was when we drafted him. I was I was happy about that pick, but I'm, I'm definitely not sold on him getting time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, the, the Rashad Coward thing was was the main one, um, but Ulysses Gilbert was was definitely another one that surprised me. I remember watching him in preseason, just thinking this this guy can't really play. He, <laughs> he, like I, I remember he was bouncing off of receivers who were making it wasn't like it was yeah it was bad. I I, I talked about him a little bit on my, on my other podcast. I I I'm very surprised he made the team.
0: Yep. Uh, Henry Mondo was
1: another surprise for me. But uh, definitely the main one that caught my eye was Rashad Coward. I was really surprised that he didn't make the roster, and I, I feel like Pittsburgh might have something planned for that. Uh, I don't know, but having having that really shaky depth at offensive line surprised me a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I to me kind of I guess going along with that was B.J. Finney. Um, yeah. I, I I was really surprised by that just because it it seemed. And I guess this is probably my own fault because I I just read into it and I look at oh it's Finney they went made sure they picked him up after he got cut loose from from Cincinnati and you know it just seemed like a fit and and so I was surprised by that um, and and granted the number of D linemen they're keeping is is surprising but the the Mondo thing um, they love him on special teams he he does a lot of dirty work on special teams but man I'm telling you I if he has to play significant snaps at defensive line I got a lot of concerns there um so it's going to be a really interesting couple of days here um and and not just with the Steelers of course but around the league um when you look at some of the names uh, in some of the positions I mean you've got the Detroit Lions who currently do not have a a kicker on their (laughs) roster (laughs) I don't know that I've ever seen that before um where they cut both of their their only kickers granted kickers are out there everywhere I know that but you know Uh, still, I found it kind of funny. So, um, as far as, uh, guys on, on this team, Ian, um, you know, you, you mentioned the four cornerbacks. I mean, to me, that's just like putting the flag up right now. We're going to find a uh, cornerback in the next couple of days. Is that
2: what you're thinking too? Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely think so. And there were a handful of veteran corners that got cut around the league that, you know, could potentially get brought in here. Um, I I think league-wide, it's going to be interesting. Um, Jason, who runs over the cap, uh, had a tweet earlier Mm -hmm. um, and basically said that, you know, given the extra week, we saw a lot of teams cut veteran players to try and kind of game the waiver system to get them through waivers hopefully to either bring them back and you know kind of try and protect some of their their younger players that they saw as talented but You know they they can't sign to the practice squad till tomorrow so you know maybe tomorrow we see a lot of action when the waiver wire is clear and then players can also be added to the practice squad or players can be put on ir so some some other roster spots may open up league-wide and we'll see kind of where the chips fall of Who's going to be able to make it through waivers and and come back? Um, I thought Jeff's point about Rashad Coward was a really good one because over the years it seems like a lot of guys that the Steelers have signed as as free agents mm-hmm. do make the team. Even guys, you know, going back to like Bryce McCain, who no one thought was going to make the team as a quarterback, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, made the team and then wound up being a starter because like Antoine Blake sucked, um, but and a variety of other things happen yeah there was a couple yeah. injuries but nevertheless you know the the guys they they sign in free agency usually have a pretty good shot to make the roster i feel like especially veteran guys they sign yeah. uh, and so i was i was really surprised by the coward one too
0: well yeah and it's not like he was just i mean the guy has starting experience
2: yeah and um, i thought he played
0: decently too like he wasn't I, bad no no yeah. He no, I, I I agree. I I was a little surprised by that, just considering the background that you're that you're talking about. Um, Jeff, are you in the the same ballpark? Do you think they're probably gonna uh, in the next day or two say, okay, here we signed this cornerback. And if they do, do you expect it to be kind of an exclusive nickel type guy?
1: Uh, definitely. I I don't think there's any way they go into the season with four corners. You I mean, you just can't. Especially like like Ian said before, you can't have Justin Lean as mm-hmm. your fourth corner and your last corner. Right. Um, I thought when, when, as soon as I saw that there were four corners, I was thinking maybe there would be some kind of trade in the works because they were interested in Bryce Callahan from the Broncos. And he is really that kind of slot nickel corner guy. So I was mm-hmm. thinking maybe, maybe they have something in the works for him. Maybe they're looking at someone else who got cut, but no, I, I definitely don't think there's a way another that they don't add another corner. And I, th- I think there's going to be multiple changes that that are coming but I, that corner's got
0: to be they got to add another. yeah corner. To. I, I totally agree I, I think it's coming um just a reminder you are listening to the scb Steelers podcast presented by deck roofing incorporated of south florida serving the southern palm beach counties and uh broward of course uh commercial residential multifamily, or condos contact deck roofing by visiting deck roofing.com today um Tackle. We have problems at the offensive tackle position. Um, look, uh, Zach Banner, we have no idea what's going on. Um, he's played all of, I think, 12 snaps in the preseason. Um, he, he was lost for the season last year in the very first game of the year uh, with the ACL injury. And we're really getting limited information. Mike Tomlin said today, uh, "Yeah, I'll be addressing the injuries next week." You know, and so at this point, his his normal presser would be next Tuesday, a week from today. Um, but,
2: uh, I, Ian, what what are they doing at tackle? What uh, uh, this is troubling. I mean, yeah, and let's start with of Akoraford because he's yeah. been bad. He's been just straight up bad at left tackle. And, you know, I remember back when Max Starks was on the team, you know, in the mid 2000s, they mm-hmm. tried to play him at right tackle. They tried to move him to left tackle, um, but they had like Marvell Smith at left tackle. And then, um, you know, they, they tried to move him to right and he was not that great. He got beat out by uh, Willie Colon and then they tried to move him back to left tackle. And I remember Stark saying like, you know i'm left-handed so playing left tackle is a lot more intuitive to me Mm -hmm. because i'm using my dominant hand to kind of strike first with and you know moving over to right tackle even though it's where the position's available is trying to you know like learn how to to like right with my non-dominant hand or use a form with my not or whatever you know just trying to do something that's not kind of intuitive like that and you know with a core four i think we saw it this year that he had been playing right tackle for a few years and then got switched over to left and just that that transition is difficult it's it's not as easy as people think it is you have to kind of completely flip everything in your brain and and ben talked a little bit about last week that chooks always seemed like he was stepping on the wrong foot at the wrong time and i think it was it's that timing thing of when you're used to playing right tackle your feet get in a pattern your hands get in a pattern and you know older than my age, but Chuck Noll always talked about like same foot, same shoulder uh, or same foot, same hand, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing that you want to be striking and leaning at the same time. And, and Chook still look completely off balance. So he does part of that might be why Dan Moore looks better than him because Moore played left tackle at uh, Texas A&M. And now they plugged him in at left tackle. And it is still kind of the same motion for him. Um, So honestly, like at this point, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if Dan Moore starts the year at left tackle, and they're just like, it can't be worse than what Chooks was. Let's just see what happens. Let the rookie take his lumps, and then mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we develop something there. Which could, on the flip side, be bad for Moore's confidence if you throw him in too early and he gets beat up a whole bunch. Uh, but he got beat up a whole bunch by Alex Highsmith in training camp, and then looked really good in games. So, exactly. Um, you know, it, it could be good experience for him too we'll see i, I mean they, they need to sign a tackle though they, they can't go into the season with a core for more banner and joe hagg as their tackles and hagg's like a swing tackle guard kind yeah, of guy. They, they just they can't do that i mean my my hope is that like remember when they signed flozell adams and they were like oh yeah he's our new yes would be great instantly Uh, (laughs) instantly, yeah yes i remember that let's sign a multi-time pro bowler and i think i tweeted today like whatever the the tackle equivalent of joe hayden getting cut by the browns is was like my hope for today which i don't think really happened but you you never know no you don't and
0: you you just i i agree with what you're saying they cannot just like the cornerback situation they can't go in like this you know um so Jeff, what what have you seen with a quarter four uh with Dan Moore? Uh w- where do you kind of fall in this situation uh with, with these linemen?
1: Uh I'm definitely not no quarter four fan. I've I've really tried to give him a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, he he's naturally a left tackle. I think he said he's much more comfortable at left tackle, but I, I think Ian's right. I think he's gotten more used to being at right tackle and now he's just kind of he doesn't have his footing right. He doesn't have his striking right. He just, he looks, I think off balance is pretty much the perfect word. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't, he looks very off balance. He looks very uncomfortable. And, and Dan Moore has been getting better and better. I, you know, I, I didn't hear great things about him in the beginning of camp, mm-hmm. but as camp went on, he was just getting better and better. And I, I, yeah, I I can't see them going into the season with this tackle group. And, and I, I think Dan Moore probably gets to start uh, for week one. I don't, I don't want them to do what Ian was talking about, like throwing him in too early, shaking up his confidence a little bit. That that mm-hmm. does worry me. But they they got to do something because Okorfor is just not a starting tackle at this point. He's he's solid depth, but you can't go into the season with him as your starter. I think I think Moore's going to be the starter, and I I really do want to know what's going on with Zach Banner because I just I have no idea what's going. I haven't heard anything uh, anywhere they're not giving any kind of information about him. So I don't know what's up with him. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's dealing with something else. I, I don't know what's going on with Banner, but they they definitely need to add someone to tackle. And I, I feel like Pittsburgh's kind of had a history of not always having the best tackles, especially in the past, like in the Super Bowl teams of like the, the mid-2000s and like the 20, 2009 Super Bowl team, there mm-hmm. wasn't great tackles on that team either. So I don't know how concerned they are with it. But this tackle group is not doing it for me. They gotta, they gotta add someone else. Like like Ian said, if they if there was a Joe Hayden like cut for for a tackle, yeah. that would that would be awesome. Pittsburgh would be all over that. But they they definitely gotta. I think it's it's very comparable to the corner situation. They gotta add somebody.
0: Would you, would you if if a team offered up a guy for maybe a second round pick, would you do it? Even though we're already short some picks for next year.
1: Yeah, they're short on the mid round picks. I guess it would yeah. depend on on who the guy is and and what the age is. But I mm-hmm. would definitely, if it was a proven, a proven starting caliber tackle who who's still in his twenties, I would consider it definitely.
0: Okay, all right, Ian. I ask you the same thing. What what, what kind of uh, deal would you would you make there to get a quality left tackle?
2: maybe not a second but a third i'd consider one of the things they've always done in the past is they've kind of seen you know where they think Mm -hmm. they're going to get comp picks and been like okay we're willing to trade a pick in that round right if we think we're going to get a comp pick there because we'll still be in that round just a couple picks later um so maybe not a second maybe a third um i i do agree with what jeff said though that you can't you know this this tackle group is not cutting it. Um, I think the one big difference between those mid-2000s teams and this team now is that The quarterback you had behind them then was a little more fleet of foot, (laughs) Um, you know. Just a little bit. Ben Ben still got it a little bit. Like he showed some flashes. It's it's in bursts. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's not going to be able to run for his life every play and and make magic happen all the time. Um, you know, especially we saw last year, like he took that bad hit to his knee against Dallas and just wasn't the same quarterback afterwards because he just couldn't move back there. Yeah. Oh Oh, my god. Everyone, you know, everyone wants to talk about like, well, the I mean, the line did get worse as the season went on last year too, but like no one talked about Ben suffering that knee injury, like really hampering his play mm-hmm. and basically making him a statue back there. And he's like, well, the line's a sieve and I'm going to get killed back here. So I just have to get the ball out as quick as I can now because I can't move either. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Ben can't move as well anymore. So you got to find a way to protect him.
0: Yeah. And you, I, I think you crunched all the numbers on that where Ben's stats were prior to the Dallas game and then where his stats were after the game. And there was a very significant
2: drop-off, if there, I remember correctly. There was a, yeah, there was a drop-off. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't any, have them right in front of me. But no, yes, no, no. And I was
0: not indicating that you should, uh, <laughs> although next time I expect no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Quarterback situation, it really did settle itself out once uh, Josh Dobbs left the game uh, with what's being reported as turf toe, and they said he's – hes did he go on IR or did he go on the waived IR? IR. I think he went on IR, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so that left it, you know, uh, Ben, Mason, and, and of course, uh, Haskins. Um, I, Jeff, are you happy with that, considering – Everything you saw this this uh, preseason,
1: I I feel like I would have been more okay with it like a week or two ago at this time. But after seeing Haskins the way he played in that Panthers game, that was bad.
0: Yep, that was
1: yep. really bad. I mean, going into the like like I said about a week or two ago, you know, maybe I would be okay with Haskins back there. But I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about. I mean, if Ben stays healthy, we don't got to worry about it. But right. Uh, it's it's definitely not the most encouraging thing, especially after the way Haskins played. Because I've I haven't been a Rudolph guy since 2019. Ever since mm-hmm. I saw him get benched in a game against the Bengals, who were the worst team in the league at the time, I was it, that was it for me. I was I was done with Rudolph. Right? Now. <laughs> but
0: consider yourself in a rare air because most people were done with him before he ever took the field. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I gave him a chance, man. I, well, I I'm with team. you. Yeah, I, I wanted to see what he can do, and it was it was encouraging at first. You know, he was mm-hmm. when Ben went down, he played a couple of good games. But I mean, when when you get benched against the Bengals, where they finish, two and fourteen that
0: year, Yeah, I think so. Like three yeah. and thirteen. Yeah. I
1: mean, when you yeah. get benched against them, that's really bad. I remember watching that game just.
2: Oh, I, oh, that was I'm so right bad. with you. I'm right with you. That and it was, uh, was the right call too to bench him because he was playing horrible. Right, oh, it was bad, God, it was
1: horrible. Is, and then is that ben the one that came in? And like first play, he threw that touchdown to Washington. Washington, I was that's like, right. "Oh my God! Finally, someone to be throw the ball!" <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, it's not—it's—it's it's not encouraging. I've—I've I've been a, a like pretty optimistic about Haskins. Yeah. over The past couple of weeks, but that—that that Panthers game, I didn't see it live, but uh, I went back and, and watched it. Obviously, when mm-hmm. I could, and it was not good.
0: Yeah. No, he—he he reminded me a lot of what I saw when he played for Washington. Yeah. Um the footwork was kind of shot the the accuracy all of a sudden was gone um you know when you go from playing against twos and threes and now you're playing against the ones and and that's what it reminded me of and and uh you know bad game i i hope the the arrow is still up for him um because if it is that benefits him but it also benefits us yeah. uh
2: for sure ian did you want to add anything on the quarterbacks i think he made a great point there that you know haskins throughout the first three preseason games, we were all over Rudolph, but he was playing against first team defenses and Haskins was playing against twos and threes and looked yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And then when Haskins got his shot against the ones, it was not very good. Not very and then, good. you know, when Haskins had to come back in later in the game and played against, you know, the, the third string, right. he looked good again. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a bit of a difference here in competition. Um, but I mean, I'm, I, I agree with Jeff. I'm not real confident in either of these guys. Um, I think there are things that haskins can do that rudolph can't do he has more escapability he's not wearing concrete shoes out there Mm -hmm. Um, he has more arm strength too so when he can get out of the pocket he does keep looking downfield uh that being said he's also going to make horrible horrible throws like that one to Derek watt that got intercepted That he just threw like completely (laughs) behind him um you know and and those are the things that rudolph isn't going to do so i mean rudolph yes is kind of captain checked out he's going to take the safe throws all the time and not take risks. But he's also you know not going to turn the ball over as much. So, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes it, it, you got to take the good with the bad sometimes yeah, with Haskins, yeah. but like in his career, there's been a lot more bad than good. You know, if you look at his numbers, I think he has more interceptions than touchdowns. Yep. Um, whereas, you know, Rudolph has more touchdowns than interceptions, but he's still like barely averaging one touchdown per game, which right. isn't going to cut it in the NFL.
0: No, and, and I, I guess the one positive, I, I think back to to Rudy's last meaningful start, you know, he he played a pretty solid game against Cleveland um in in the season finale last year when they were resting Ben, and, um you know, that gives me a little bit of hope, but um, at the same time, I, I've seen enough of him as well to know what his limitations are, too. Uh,
2: so, yeah, Ian. I, I'll say this. I mean, I would say a little bit, but I'll also say this, that if Rudolph – has to play, Chase Claypool's going to have a feast, because Rudolph's best bet, honestly, is to just chuck the ball up in the air and hope his receiver comes down with it. And Claypool, at you know six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds, is just a bully down the field and can That's just a good body point. out defensive backs. Um, so none of the other receivers are going to do right. anything because Rudolph can't throw with timing or anticipation or read defenses. But like Claypool will be great.
0: So it sounds a little like the Joe Flacco, uh, you know, just chuck it deep and hope for interference. But in this case, <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll hope that. Claypool catches it.
2: Catches it. yeah interference roulette, I believe, yeah. is what we called that. Exactly. Have
0: exactly. they
2: named the
1: backup yet? Is Rudolph the QB2 right now?
0: I believe, yeah. yeah. If, if I yeah. saw everything correct today, he's QB2, and then and then Haskins will be three. And yeah, um, I don't think
2: they officially have um, because, I mean, they don't have to release a depth chart until, like, what, Tuesday of the week before the game. Right. Um, and then, you know, you never know who gets a helmet on Sunday, too. I'm assuming only one. Because last year they only had two quarterbacks get helmets. I, I don't think yep. they gave a third quarterback a helmet last year. So did um, uh, speaking of the, the
0: that with with Dobbs being on IR, uh, Ian, you might know this. Can he be on the sidelines during the games? Ooh, he might be able. To, I'm not sure about that. I, I mean, I think he might be able to be. Well, and I, I asked because sure. we we all have talked you know endlessly about how Ben likes talking to him. Mm-hmm. um he he's the guy he usually goes to doesn't go to mason he didn't go to randy last year he usually went to Dobbs. and you know quarterbacks are funny creatures they they get into habits and they know who they like and they don't like and i i would just be curious i i don't know if he'll be accessible or not
2: yeah and and i don't know if he could even like sit up in the box with the coaches because i think doesn't canada want to coach from the box he's, he is he's top coaching top. from
0: upstairs oh yeah, yeah. Yep. i didn't
2: know that yeah
0: yeah Yep. They uh, well, as of two weeks ago, he was that. That was the plan, um, and and I, I'm not. Uh, yeah. So best I can tell, um, Jeff, how concerned are you about Stefan Tuit? Um, I don't know if many fans understand this, but not only has he not played in any of the preseason games, he hasn't practiced. No. He has not practiced. Um, and you know there's some sentiment that much of this is because of the tragic and sudden passing of his brother uh, in, a, in a hit and run accident um, which I think was in July and he's he's been struggling and uh, far be it from me or anybody else to to tell him he should or shouldn't and and how to handle it that's that's up to him um but I'm concerned how about you
1: no I, I'm definitely concerned and if it's if it's about his brother then, you know, like you said, no one should tell him when to get back on the field. He should come yeah. back on his own terms, and it should be—he should handle it the way he wants to handle it. Because everyone handles stuff like that differently. Yep. But I'm—I'm I'm, if it's—if it is his actual—if it's actually his knee, I'm—I'm I'm definitely concerned about it because not practicing at all, mm-hmm. not playing in any games. I mean, he's not going to be ready for week one. No. He's—he's he's, going to be very rusty if he's out there for week one, and it's going to take—it's going to take him some time to get it back, especially after. Not having a training camp, not having anything, but I'm I'm definitely concerned about it. I'm I'm tr- I'm always keeping up to date with it. I'm always looking up, you Same. know, if he's back on the field in practice, if he's maybe going to play in the next preseason game, and he's there's just nothing. He's just not there, and him going on the IR possibly in the beginning of the season. It's it's definitely a concerning situation. I'm worried about it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm right with you. Um, Ian, has he had back to back good productive seasons? It seems to me that he's always been roller coaster type.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, and with it it's always been you know when he's out there, he's been dominant. But it's just right when he's out there, it's kind yeah. of the the question. Um, I mean, you know, last year he played in 15 games. The year before that, he only played in six because he had that season-ending injury. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't. His rookie year was the only year he played in all 16 games. Um, other than that last year at 15 was the most um you know a couple 14s okay Um, but but let's not forget too you know one of the things that i i do track since you mentioned i track some stats is um you know Guys with double-digit sacks every year. Yeah, um, and we've talked a lot about that as kind of the, the barometer for an elite pass rusher because even over time, from the mid '90s to now, it's been pretty steady on the number of guys that get ten plus sacks a year. You know, more or less falling in that like fifteen to twenty range. So those right. are your elite pass rushers. Last year, I think there was only. 10 or 12 guys that got double digit sacks and two, it was one of them. I mean, we had two of them yeah. on the Steelers. So, I mean, you know, that for, especially for an interior defensive lineman, incredible not season. named Aaron Donald, it was an incredible season. Yeah. Yep. Um. So uh, yeah, last year was a great season. I, I really hope for him. He's able to get back soon. Uh, but I, I agree with everything Jeff said. And my only other comment is that I really wish that the NFL would adopt what the NHL does in it, when you put a player on IR that you get salary cap relief for the time they're on IR. So that enables you to like sign more players to replace them so that when a high price player goes on IR, you have more cap space and more flexibility while they're off. Um, but unfortunately the NFL is very strict on their yeah. IR rules and still, you know, if you lose your highest price player, you're pretty much screwed. Um, yep. whereas the NHL gives you a little more flexibility. So I, that, that always comes up as like, you know, if you could change one thing about your favorite sport, I'm like, yes, I would change the IR rules so they don't count against the salary gap. I agree with that. Definitely.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting thing. And, and I, I guess I would have to look into it more, but uh, it it seems to me that it works pretty darn well for the NHL. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and, yeah, I would have to look into it more. Um, Before we uh, go too much further here, we we, we probably should address a couple of very, very important issues here. Um, First of all, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has been – well taking a lot of fire because he apparently attempted the milk crate challenge guys (laughs) um if if the listeners and viewers are not aware of what this is um basically you take your good old-fashioned milk crates and you stack them and they make a pyramid and your job is to walk to the top and then walk back down without falling and um Uh, I think if I heard this correctly, TikTok uh, actually has uh, banned the videos now because they've gotten so out of hand, so many people injured, everything else. Well, lo and behold, Juju is uh, videotaped, uh, I guess, doing it. Um, We only see him come down like the last two or three steps, and there's two guys around him, and oh God, people lost their minds over this. Um, Jeff, you're, you're a young man. You, you understand this stuff better than, than us old guys. (laughs) Uh, what, what, no, should we really be concerned about this or, or is this just more stuff people are getting upset about and they shouldn't?
1: Um, I, I think people were overreacting a little bit. Definitely, I saw some people that were like losing their minds, especially with like how active I am on Instagram. Like, with all this stuff, I mean, people were going nuts, and I was yeah. like, All right, like, I'm not happy about it either, but let's relax. I mean, it was not, it definitely wasn't, it yeah, not, it did not need the reaction that it got, but I, I didn't like it. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, Dude, like, we got a season soon, like, what are you doing? I, I'm, I'm right with you. I've seen so many people because I'm I'm on TikTok too. I go through TikTok every now and then. I've seen so many people fall and and like break their ankles doing this stuff. They just like they're on top and then they're wiggling and then they're just they're down. Yeah. And I was I'm I'm happy that I didn't see him up at the top because if I did, I would have had a heart attack. But I, he he was coming down and when when he came down, I just kind of like like had to yeah, get a little sigh of relief. But I. People overreact a little bit, but yeah. I, I definitely didn't like seeing
0: it. I don't think. No, I, I like that. totally with you. I don't like that he was doing it. Now I will say this: there there was a rumor that came out a little while ago that kind of was something that you just pointed out. You know, it's like why didn't they start taking the video when he was like doing the whole thing or when he yeah. was at the top? I mean, it is juju. Why wouldn't you record the whole thing? Uh-huh. So there's there's this conspiracy out there that. He is actually just trolling everybody. He got up there. They they helped him up. He was on the second or third to last one, wow, then came man. down. I, I it would be hilarious if he was actually doing that. Um, I don't like it hilarious. still, but yeah, yeah. Uh Ian, will you be trying this challenge anytime soon?
2: Uh no, I am <laughs> six foot three and have terrible balance, so no, not at all. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I, it's, I feel that it's not conducive to a tall person attempting it with a poor no. center of gravity. I no. mean, like I, I'm a big American Ninja Warrior fan, and like the people that do really well at that are the people that are like five seven, you know, and are just like made of muscle, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, I that, you know, yeah that, that have have a low center of gravity and can you know just. Move their bodies in ways that, like, I could never hope to do because yeah. I'm just long winded. It just is what it is, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, I'm not trying it. Uh,
0: now, the the other piece of very, very important news was that, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and and Chase Claypool got into it at practice. And, um, and, and real quick, I do want to give a shout out. I was on the, uh, the four man rush, uh, podcast right before we started ours tonight. Uh, great guys out of uh, uh, Carolina. They're big Panthers fans. We were talking about last week's last preseason game, and and they asked me about this. What's going on? Why why are Claypool and and Minka fighting? And I'll say the same thing I told them. Minka Fitzpatrick is tired of hitting people from his own team. He's tired of practicing against his own team. He's ready to play against other people, and Claypool probably did something or said something to get under his skin. It fired him up. They uh, most Steelers said, "I've never seen Minka so mad." I think that's
2: what this was. Uh, and and Ian, should we read more into it than that? No, I mean, I I, I always kind of go back to, you know, I'm a Duke basketball fan, which I know Ben trolls me over a lot. Yeah, but, rightfully you know, so, yeah. and a lot of other people do. But it is what it is. Um, but you know, there's there's. There's an old clip of Coach K saying, like, look, emotion is not bad. It's how you channel that emotion. Like, he's like, it's okay to be angry. Just take it out the right way. You know, take it out by performing well, channel it mm-hmm. into your performance. But mm-hmm. you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, after. Uh, a month and a half of training camp and hitting your own guys and Minka played what like a handful of snaps in the preseason Barely. game. Yeah. Um, I mean maybe he might have played a little into the second quarter in that line. game. Like, yeah. yeah. It's only but, a couple drives, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean you're you're absolutely right. He wants a he as a safety whose job is to literally go out and hit people he wants to you know he wants to go out and hit people that are his own teammates and he's probably getting tired of like basically being held back right because they he's arguably their best or second best defensive player on the team so they want to preserve him in the preseason so they've been holding him back and he wants the reins taken off and he wants to go he's a competitor so yeah no i'm i i'm when i see preseason fights i'm like oh okay guys are showing emotion that's good they're they're bought into it they're invested yeah. it's not like they're just going through the motion so it doesn't bother me at all yeah um, i mean i don't want it all a brawl like the giants had uh, but, no, you know no. but a couple guys you know isaiah Milk and or cam hayward and you know Dan Moore getting into it doesn't bother me at all. No. I mean, Cam Hayward got into it with all the veterans when he started here, and now the the you know young guys are getting into it with him. So it's just kind of how it goes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Jeff, you, you kind of fall in the same category there. Not a big deal.
2: Definitely no. I don't think it's a big deal at all. I think if
1: it got more physical, maybe it would be a bigger deal. But yeah. I I definitely don't see it as as any kind of issue because it is you know I can understand as as an athlete feeling emotional like that. Sure. It's, it, it comes out of you sometimes, and I don't know what Claypool did because Mika has always been a very, like, mild-mannered guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really freak out a lot, and to see him, like, apparently we, – we didn't see it, obviously, but to see mm-hmm. him apparently, like, freak out, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. I like that more for, for Claypool, honestly, because, I, I mean, Claypool's really getting after it, it seems like. But, no, it, it, it definitely didn't bother me at all.
2: Yeah, no, good. Me either. Um, the one and, other thing I'll add, too, is yeah. that, you know, the the really good Steelers teams in the past have always talked about kind of like the brotherhood they had in the locker room, right? Yeah. And as a father of many boys, um, <laughs> I will tell you that boys will fight with each other, and it just is what it is, and, yes. you know, but as soon as someone from outside the family goes after one of them, they're all together against Oh yeah. you. Know? That, so, that is so, so true. It's like, you know, you you're, you will fight with your brother, tooth and nail, but as soon as someone attacks your family, it's everyone against them. Absolutely. You're, you're there for your family. So some of it is that, that brotherhood of like, you know, I can fight with my brother because I love him and I trust him, but if anyone goes after him, you know, that guy's going to lose his head. The one thing, uh,
1: though, I, I did think it was a little weird. Uh, it, it was actually kind of funny to me when uh, Tomlin was asked about it in, in the press conference. He just like completely – I don't know if you guys saw it, but he just mm-hmm. completely shut the reporter up. They were like – like, he's like, oh, well, what altercation are you talking about? I was like, oh, the one in the end zone. He's like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought it was a little weird that Tomlin didn't even acknowledge it, but I didn't think anything of it.
0: I, I think that's when Tomlin gets that little – belichick to him where it's like <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna even go there so yeah. i'm just gonna you know i yeah I, I that'd be my guess i i he just didn't want to talk about it yeah i that, agree with that yeah. um uh, last thing before we go tonight guys um my panic button is is definitely my hand is over it now uh with tj watt um i really i really thought this was going to be done uh, over the last four or five days. Now that doesn't mean we won't wake up tomorrow and know that it's done. Um, or, or even in a couple of days, um, in, uh, where are you on a, a similar panic meter here with, with the season now, uh, you know, roughly 11, 12 days away.
2: Yeah. I'll say, if you ask me this question in a week, like after labor day, I'll be a lot more ready to panic, but I'm yeah. not quite ready to panic yet. Cause the other thing let's not forget is that during the off season with the salary cap, you have the rule of fifty-one. So only the top 51 salaries count against the cap. Once yep. today hits, now your 53 salaries count against the cap. So, you know, I mean they have plenty of cap room. They have a ton of it. They have mm-hmm. like 12 million dollars. But you know, and, and Watt counts for 10 million. So if you take that 10 million, they essentially have 22 million in cap space that they can play with to get something done with him. Um so, you know, with some of the financials, some of the guaranteed money, how much upfront money is it, um, you know, what's it going to be for this year versus future years, um, you know, I, I'll say I'm not quite ready to panic just yet just because maybe they wanted to see where they were from a cap standpoint mm-hmm. and also try and see, you know, where they need to bring some veterans in like offensive tackle and cornerback, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and then how much money they have left to kind of finalize something with what. So I would, I would say, if you ask me in a week and it's not done, I'll be about ready to panic. But right now on August 31st, I'm not quite ready to panic just yet.
0: Not quite ready. Okay. So, so Jeff, Jeff, I'll ask you kind of the same thing. Um, and, and and then just kind of maybe throw in with it. Uh, how confident would you be if he's not there in Buffalo? Oof. Uh,
1: I, I I'm kind of in the same boat as Ian a little bit. I'm not quite ready to panic, but I definitely thought it was going to be done by now. I I thought I didn't think going into September we wouldn't have a TJ Watt extension. I thought it would be done. So I'm, same. My my hand is it's over the panic button. It's not quite ready to hit it yet, but I think I think he said it pretty well. And in about a week, if we're getting like four or five days away from, from the game, I'll be I'll be pretty much ready to panic. So I'm I'm almost there, but not quite yet. And yeah, I don't know how I would feel if if he wasn't there in Buffalo. I would feel much less confident because when you got someone like Josh Allen, you gotta you gotta get pressure on. Him. You, yeah. you need TJ Watt in Buffalo. He is almost a must because the it's tough to go against a league quarterback with no pass rush. And you know, Highsmith will be there and Melvin Ingram will be there, but I I it would I would feel a lot less confident without TJ Watt there. I think they they got they have to get this done. they they have to get this done before week one. There's yeah. no way I, they can roll into the season and not have him extended. They have I, to I,
0: right. No, I'm with you. I uh well, I mean, they had him last year against Buffalo and struggled, you know. So, yeah. how,
2: how bad will it be if he's not there, so to speak? So <laughs> that was that was after the Dupree injury too, though. Let's not it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Was it the week after or two weeks? I think it was, pretty uh, it was close no after. more than
0: two weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was only a
1: game or two after.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, um,
0: yeah he went down against Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, against Washington. Washington okay. dad, right? All right. Washington. Okay. That, All
2: right. That was that weird. Like we had to play on a Wednesday, then a Monday. Yes. Like, oh. Yes. Yeah. God. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. I don't want to think about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was,
0: that was, that was hopefully terrible. that doesn't happen. Yeah. So um, one one yeah. other
2: thing I'll mention about T.J. Watt too, though, is yeah. that um, you know, with his his rookie contract was essentially nine million dollars and change right that mm-hmm. he's slated to make 10 million dollars this year so he's essentially going to double his career earnings this year um with you know by playing and, and i said this last week that he's not levy on bell you know levy bell had made 16 million dollars already in his career he made 12 million dollars the year previous to his holdout where he mm-hmm. you know sat out mm-hmm. um so you know Le'Veon Bell had some money in the bank. I mean, TJ Watts got some money in the bank, it, you know, probably nine million dollars in career earnings. But at the same time, like sitting out a year where you can make ten million dollars and double your career earnings is, you know, right. pretty, pretty important. And if yeah. you sit out, you risk not making that versus if you show up. I mean, I realize that the long game here is to get the $150 million contract oh, yeah. that, you know, become the highest paid defensive player in the league. And honestly, he deserves it. Like he does, you know, he he does. absolutely. he it's um, but, but at the same time in the short term, like there's the, the benefit to him missing games is, is not, does not outweigh the opportunity either. Uh, but I, I think I'm hopeful. I agree with Jeff. They it's imperative. They need to get it done before the season starts. Yeah.
1: I don't yep. know if he's and, a, is he really the kind of guy to sit out though? I don't, I don't know if I'm really too worried about him not being in Buffalo. You think he would hold out if they didn't get it done?
0: I, I don't for the reasons that Ian just kind of pointed out. Um, He'll, he'll play the year. Mm-hmm. Um, But man, I when, when you know you should be the highest paid defensive foot player it, it, and you got your agent in your ear um, and I'm yeah. not sure who he's repped by. Um it 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 can wear on you, you know, and it can make a little difference. But no, I, I personally I see it the same way. I I don't think he would do that, but um let's just hope it doesn't get there. Uh for sure. Yeah. Uh hey guys, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, and that's gonna do it for uh this week. And uh we'll be back next week, of course, with a big season preview with all kinds of wonderful predictions, prognostications, and all kinds of other wonderful things. But uh, for now, this is Steel Dead signing off on the SCB Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated. And, hey, go Steelers.
2: Since Ben isn't here, I'll take the bait. Ravens suck. There we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. <laughs>